Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Support for Gigport is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code GIGPOD at manscaped.com. Out of control. Hello everyone and thanks for tuning in to the latest instalment of the Premiership Years from Glasgow is Green aka Gigpod. There's good news and there's bad news. Now the good news is Rizzo and Spunkphone aren't on this one and it's back to myself, Stevie. The bad news is I have to be the one chatting about Celtic FC in November 2020. Now this was the month that we were able to say there's Trump away as he lost his presidency in America to Joseph Biden. The PlayStation 5 was released in the UK and immediately ran into problems with deliveries due to high demands. And the terror threat in the country was raised from substantial to severe. But enough about the protests after the Ross County game. We'll cover that later on. Now joining me for this one is the prolific YouTuber Ryan Fitzsimons, a.k.a. Ryan118, who finally, at long last, makes his GigPod debut. Ryan, welcome. It is an absolute pleasure to finally make my debut, a moment we've been waiting for. I think before we started this, before you asked me on, you must have, I must have been one of the first people you asked because you gave me any month to choose from, basically. And for some reason, I have picked this month. Why? I don't know, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, it's funny. It's like Tony at the Pod Tims. We actually had a few for him to choose from. I think it was October, January, February, and maybe April. And he went with October, and then he was immediately regretting it. So I can only hope, Ryan, that you're not doing the same after a few minutes here. We do go off to a good start, believe it or not, because the first game in November was Celtic 2, Aberdeen 0. Aberdeen were toothless at Hamden. This was the Scottish Cup semi-final. Celtic had the game wrapped up after 23 minutes. This was one of the games where Ryan Christie's shots didn't go into Rose Ed. Went in past Joe Lewis. He made it 1-0. And then Mohamed El Yunusi tapped in for a couple of yards after brilliant play by Tom Rogic. This was a game that a lot of people felt 
that's Tom Rodgers back. He's, he's going to be like a new player for us. He's going to really contribute. Didn't really work out that way. But what was your thoughts on that particular game, Ryan? Yeah, the main thing is what you've already brought up there about Tom Rogic. For me, I was like, okay, we've we've done something great here in the window. For all the negatives, we managed to keep a hold of, of Tom Rogic. Because remember, he was apparently off to Qatar, I think it was. And I was like, oh, well, this is brilliant. We've kept a hold of him. He's back. He's at his best. And not just him, but I, I think I was one of the naive ones who thought, you know what, this is the turning point for our season. I was like, this is this. Could we had about fifty of them, didn't we? <laughs> exactly. Like, God knows what one this was, but I was like, ah, do you know what, this actually might be it if we start to play like this. But I watched back the game and the highlights of the game, and I watched back my match review from the time, and the warning signs were still there. This was still a very, you know, first half was good. Second half, we took our foot off the gas a little bit and, and we weren't as strong. And, and that was really telltale, I think, of things to come. You know, we could do it in one half, couldn't do it in the other. And and as I said, I think I was maybe just a bit naive. Well, I think, Ryan, this was one of the games where Neil Beaton was a standout at the back for us. He brought a calmness to our play. He read the game so well. There was a moment in the first half at 1-0 where I believe it might have been Scott Wright and it might have been Ryan Hedges, one of the two. It was one-on-one, and Neil Beaton read the situation so well, it kept us in the game. Now, of course, Neil Beaton would go on to have a horror season for us. That was one of the few highlights. That's just very typical, though, isn't it, of, of Neil Beaton? Like, I feel like that happens every year. We get to the start of the season. We all know that. We all get to the start of the season. He's left playing at centre-back in the qualifiers, and we're all very sceptical. And then it's only a matter of five, ten games into the season. We're like, do you know what? He's actually quite decent at centre-back. And then we get a further two months in, and we're like, right, okay, no, he's no. Uh, I feel like I've, I've said that the last two or three years but yeah there was there was moments in the game that did give give me positives it did give me hope but you know I, I can't help but think and, and and the over the kind of overwhelming message I got from this game now that I look back on it was you know maybe if we lost that game it might have and I say we say this about so many things it could have maybe shifted Lennon out the door a little bit quicker he still had that final to play and it got him through to win his treble so you know it it has its positive side of this fruit of that final, but I look back and I go, hmm, might have been better off if I lost it. <laughs> well, it's funny because I did a podcast with Hamish Carton of 67 Hail Hail and the Grand Old Podcast after this game. This was Gigpod's second, uh, after Gigpod came back, of course, it was Gigpod's second episode. And we were previewing the next game. Now, the next game was at home on Bonfire Night to Sparta Prague. Now, Sparta Prague themselves had been pretty iffy in the their own sort of domestic league. They came off the back of, I think it was a 3 nothing defeat to AC Milan. They weren't impressive at all. They looked uh, shambolic. And of course, they had a COVID-ravaged team. They came to Celtic Park and they just pretty much mocked us, didn't they? Now, there was, of course, two four one reversals against Sparta Prague. We're going to go into the other one later, which I thought was personally worse. But Ryan, the home defeat to Sparta Prague or the away one, what, what one do you think was the more mortifying? it's crazy because both of them are just you know I watched back once again just to plug a match review again I watched back both my match previews in preparation for this just to see what I was saying at the time and I just couldn't help but laugh and it sounds bad but all I could do was laugh it was just humiliating but for me and I, I can I can completely understand why you'd say the second one. The first one for me, though, I looked at the stats and stuff from that game, and it was you know Prague had hadn't played a domestic game, and and I think it was a month. They had the worst start in the entire Europa League in the first two match days with their games against Lille and AC Milan. Um, they were missing, as you've already said, seven of their first team players, and somehow 
we go on to lose four one on our own turf. I, I, for me, that was the turning point completely. I tried dancing around the lane and out stuff. Um, for a while, I was trying to be on the fence and trying to give the guy a bit of hope. But that was the the the, the first time when I uttered the words myself. He has to go. This is it. It's over. That was that was me just coming out of it. A lot of people were early on to the bandwagon and they started after Ferenc Faros. For me, this was it. But I just look at that and I look at the performance that night, which was absolutely humiliating from from back to front. And I just think to myself, there's no excuse. There's no. I can't even think of a, a sliver of an excuse that could cover what was the performance that night. The system was a failure, of course, but there were so many individual errors. And the, I mean, Callum McGregor for that second goal, he's, he's attempts at defending for all that we do. We had praised McGregor in all the other seasons. This was his season where you saw his downfall when he was just doing all the chasing of Scott Brown. But you're having a guy like Callum McGregor, who's usually good at the taking the tempo of the play uh, further forward. He was now in midfield. This was where his settled position now apparently was under Neil Lennon. He's chasing the game alongside Scott Brown, but it's apparently as well that Cal McGregor just can't defend, and this was just one of the big, the main sort of takeaways of that match, wasn't it? Alongside yet another disaster class from Shane Duffy as well, especially in the second half. Yeah, Duffy, I bet he just never helped himself as the games went on. I feel like there's so much you can say. I tell you one thing, there's one takeaway from this game that off the pitch was even bigger. I think, remember, Jockstein didn't die for that. Was that what it was said about the this the phone situation of, of El you know, say, I still remember, like, I still remember just looking at that and I knew straight away there was going to be a, an outrage, but. Yeah, you're right. There were so many telltale signs for so many players, and then that as well happening. It kind of, you know, Lennon chucked it after the game, if I remember. He said, because then he came back on the word, but he remember he said, well, that's us out of Europe. So it feels like there was a kind of unified feeling between both the manager and the players that they'd sort of chucked it. And that was really frustrating for me. Two things as well, Ryan. The first one is um, now Lennon vowed to change the culture among his players, and he said that could be achieved very quickly. It was like, obvious that that was just, it was spinning buzzwords there because I don't think he knew how to change a culture very quickly and I don't think you can do that. The culture has to be changed at the very, very top and it has to be top down, you know, all the way from chairman, CEO, manager and the players. You can't have the manager whose standards, I mean, let's be very honest with Neil Lennon, his standards aren't very high in the first place. He's just happy to get a team over the line and Neil Lennon was saying there's going to be a culture change very quickly after that. That's when I just, I remember you know, listening to those words, and I just said, Ryan, I went, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's saying, he's basically trying to just say buzzwords in the media so that people, the media will pick up on that and forums will see it and they'll go, oh, he's hurting just like everyone is. But it's all right to say that, but you really need to back it up. And Neil Lennon didn't have the infrastructure or the tools and even the smarts to do that. The biggest one for me though, Ryan, was how he did after that say, this is definitely a turning point. This will not happen again. Well, <laughs> it's, honestly, it couldn't have went any worse after saying that like you know we could have went on to get beat again but the fact that happened in almost identical fashion is just unbelievable you know it's a credit to Neil Lennon himself what what a, what a genius <laughs> but yeah one of the players that you were talking about that was uh, chucked under the bus by a lot of the fans were furious at him and Lennon himself but the next game we had all the pressure was on us on the 8th of November it was the player that received all the criticism that actually bailed us out with an excellent hat-trick at Fur Park. It was Mohamed El Yunusi who scored three as Celtic won 4-1 against Motherwell. But again, as I kept saying, like in the August and the September and maybe some of the October one, like I did with Tony, how the 2-0 win against St. Johnston was not as clear-cut as what we thought. This, on paper, looked comfortable. But I do remember for about 
I would say 60, 65 minutes. We never looked all that convincing. We went 2-0 up. Mohamed El Yunus scored a double. And then it was like the Aberdeen game you were talking about, Ryan, where the second half, we were just dominated by Motherwell. I think they realised, wait a minute, we can get to this mob. We're just going to punt ball after ball after ball into the box. We just looked as if we were hanging on and we were terrified of everything they threw at us. And this is a Motherwell side that, again, were in poor, poor, poor form as well. In the end, Declan Gallagher eventually took advantage of our wayward defending. He nodded in. And that, that was a moment where I remember turning around saying, I think we could be in border. But Motherwell were just like ourselves, Ryan. An absolute shambles at the back. Mohamed El Yunus would go on to score a cracking, cracking header. And then in Cham added uh, another one. But... I did say after this, and I think this was in episode three, I'm fairly sure I said that I'd like to think it's a turning point, but at this point I'm not surprised if, because we had an international break coming up, and I remember saying it's all down to the international break again and the players involved there, because it shouldn't have been happening at the time, and we saw what happened after the last international break when Celtic players went abroad. Yeah, look, everything about that game, you've got nail on the head, and that international break stuff, as I remember at the time, there was a lot of complaints around what was happening there, and, and if international break should even have been happening. The thing about this game for me is, do you know what, I'll be completely honest, I had a, a blistering hangover that day, you know that, and it was the, one of the only two of the games this season I didn't do a coverage of on the channel, it was one of the only two I think I missed this season, but... I went back and watched the game the following day so I could speak about it in the podcast and I know it sounds like a very Michael Owen thing to say but the only difference between us and Motherwell that day is we were lucky enough to hit the net three more times. We still gave them plenty of chances, I thought, and for all, you know, Yanusi came out and kind of uh, saved himself from the criticism of the, the European game beforehand. I, it still wasn't, you know, you look at a scoreline to go 4-1, you must have played really well. Yeah, but we're okay, but as you said, you know, it's one of those ones second half, we opened ourselves up and, and the defensive frailties were still there. It was nice to see in Cham score that day, I thought maybe he'll have something, I think that might have been like the last thing he'd done. Um, but no, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a 4-1 that you'd be used to seeing by any stretch of the imagination. Also, that was a game, do you remember, Tom Rogic was actually decent in that game as well, just like against Aye. Aberdeen. I'm trying to think, I think it might have been Ryan Christie himself that ballooned it over the bar after Rogic did all the work. I think all he needed to do was tap it in and he went, and, I think he cut inside or something and he blasted it instead of being composed and it went way over. And I mean, see at that point, I'm fairly sure that that miss, if you're the manager there, you're seeing that's a pattern with Ryan Christie and you're like sitting him down going, look, at half time, 2 0 up, that's a goal that really seals it and we can actually play with a bit of confidence and it maybe, maybe could just be the springboard we need for the rest of the season um, to see this game out. Don't concede and Motherwell's heads will well and truly drop. Never happened and again, how often did we see that time and time again, Ryan, with Christy himself, moments like that, just bloating it instead of having just a wee bit of calmness to look up and just be composed yourself and put it away. Yeah, I, I, I never understood that throughout the season and I know it's one of the, the, the common complaints of, of the campaign we've just had Christie shooting like from everywhere in the park but I just can't wrap my head around it. Surely at one point of the season Neil Lennon had to sit down and go look, we need to stop this. This is something we had to drill out the game. Christie, keep the ball, move it, but move the ball, do anything but shoot. I, I just don't understand why both Christie himself as a, as a player who as we all know has, has quality and Neil Lennon as a coach sat there and thought, you know what? Just keep doing that. Like it, it, it made no sense to me. I don't know about you, but I feel like it was just something that Neil Lennon, as time went on, seen the odd one going the back there and go, you know what? He's got that in his locker, and we'll just keep it going. But I just don't understand at all. You said as well you were hungover for this one. Where were you the night before it? 
Uh, just in the flat, mate. You know, you could. You know, much we could do at that point. I think was there. Indeed, because in November 2020, that's when the the pubs were away. Do you know who else was away in November 2020? Oh, who was it? Go on. The Yorkshire Ripper himself, Peter Sutcliffe. After the international break, we would go on to play at Easter Road. Now, this was a game that wasn't on TV. This was a three o'clock kickoff, and it was one of the pay-per-view games. I remember foolishly lining Roderick Petrie's pockets with my 15 quid because I thought at the time I didn't have the IPTV that I got in January. I was just paying other teams for the pleasure and I was doing my bit for Scottish football. But yeah, £15 for that and I was subjected to David Tanner waffling crap. But it's it could be worse. It could be Jerry McCulloch, I guess. But talking about the game itself, um, Hibs 2, Celtic 2, a lot of people thought, I remember seeing on social media, Ryan, and, and after this game, and a lot of people did say, that was it. That was the one. And I always thought maybe, you know, it was the first time ever that I do have to say we scored an equaliser in the 90th minute and I did not react to it. Lacks out hammered home for about six yards, but the damage was done um, those 70 minutes before it. I just felt it was like such a colossal way that we dropped points and even the draw wasn't good enough. We really needed to keep the pressure on Rangers at the time and I think the the Hibs game, the tip of the performance was just utterly, utterly diabolical. And it was Hibs bottling it more than us being brilliant that got us back in the game, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I dubbed this game before we went on to it. Well, before we went into it, sorry. It's now or never. I feel like Elvis Presley. Um, I was singing that, basically, before we went in. And I, I just as soon as we went 2-0 down, I was like, well, that's it. That, like, I had that overwhelming feeling as well that that was well and truly it. All chances of us catching Rangers were, were well and truly out the window. And I know there was that little bit of hope that maybe, you know, in January uh, that we could do it as well before Dubai happened for some people. But for me, this was well and truly it. Uh, and we, we finally, we brought it on ourselves. Um, it, it, was, it was just very poor from us in the game again. Everywhere in the park, we looked lifeless, and I think we'll come on to Lennon's comments after it, probably, um, in the next part or such. But yeah, Laxell's goal when it hit the back of the net, and, and I, I hate this feeling of being such a negative Celtic fan because I've never been like that until this year because I just feel like the joy has been zapped right out of me. But you're right, when Laxell's goal went in, I felt nothing. I felt numb. And I remember Ryan McGinley, who's obviously on our show, he, he said to me at the time, I almost didn't want that to happen, I didn't want to celebrate it either, it just felt like you know, we, we were lucky to get it and it meant nothing because the three points is what we needed from this game and we can't capitalise on teams when they're poor and, and it's just yeah, once again, just a frustrating 90 minutes to sit through and it just made watching it was one of those ones that just highlighted how joyless it was to watch Celtic this season Kevin Nisbet, he missed a penalty and Jamie Murphy followed it up to make it 1-0. Now, what was so annoying about that is, do you remember with the penalty when Nisbet hits it, Bain saves it, not one Celtic player follows it in. All the Hibs players are reading it. Murphy scores, and he took it well from a really tight angle. But not one Celtic player followed it up. Just wee things like that. Neil Lennon would then go on to say, we lacked a bit of oomph, and you're like, what is that, mate? No, what we lacked was the, the tactical know-how and common sense, and the pure basics to realise that a penalty for the other team. You follow that in and you put as much pressure as possible. It's not just me, is it? No, no, not at all. And, and Lennon came out and he said, you know, of course we lacked oomph. And then he also came out and he, he brandished the players lazy, just kind of once again threw them under the bus for the second or third time that season. He came out and he says, they're lazy defending and they called the players lazy. And 
to me, I was like, yeah, okay. The players were lazy. It was really, really poor from us. We we didn't read that situation and, and we let Hibs get the better of us. But these are things that on the training ground, the manager, the coaches, the, the staff there should be drilling into our players. And these were this wasn't the first example of it. This was, you know, God knows what time it was for this season, that season alone. So it made me wonder, you know, if Lennon was thinking they were lazy then, you know, if he could inspire that squad by towards the end of November, it left questions in my mind of why A, he thought he was the right man for the job but B, why anyone above him thought he was the right man for the job um, and we got, you know, all the clarification that they thought he was the right man for the job but after comments like that, when you've not got a manager that inspires your players to go out and, and perform and, and be um, energetic and, and work hard, you know that's that's telltale for me that there should, should be something changing yeah, even now, you know, the top beaks at CERN wouldn't be able to find an answer for that one, Ryan. And Rangers, after that, played the next day. They would beat Aberdeen 4-0, and it just went well clear of us. And again, just wee things like that. It was just all, all these things adding up was just compounding the misery, as well as the lockdown itself, Ryan. It was just it was just getting us all down. And back in November, you said the pubs um, were shot. You were in the flat booze. And how did you actually handle the winter period in November watching football? I know that it was grim for us all and it was mud. I still, to this day, can't get used to having to watch it all on TV and everything. But for you personally, how much a nightmare for where was it? Mate, it's just, it was brutal. And especially in a game like Hibs, it wasn't on the television. You knew you have to go out your way to spend more money to watch a game that usually would be free to watch. But with Celtic especially, you know, you almost just didn't want to watch there was honestly some days you just sit there and go I don't want to watch this because it it did have a bit of a, a way of ruining your entire day and maybe even the couple of days after that because it was one of the only things I really had to look forward to in a lockdown world working in the supermarkets and and all the rest of it isn't quite what you want to do so you get that release with the football usually we didn't get that um we couldn't even watch at the pub and have a drink to forget about it it was just it was absolutely brutal um I guess you know, at that time we had Scotland cheering us up a little bit, but um, when it came back to the club football, it was almost just, you know, it was just numb. It was a word I can always use, just a, a numb feeling. And, you know, I, I feel like Neil Lennon, um, for as much as he's coming out and talking now, as we've seen in the last kind of week or two of these comments he's coming out with, he talks about a joyless experience for himself. It was a joyless experience for all of us, and I feel like to an extent that's unforgivable. November 2020 was the beginning of the end for Topshop as well, whose stores were well and truly away at that point. Were you a top man guy, Ryan? Do you want me to tell you a, a new story, actually, about top man at the time? I, I didn't, well, not at the time. I think this was when they actually shut or whatever. I was looking for a, a specific jacket um, for, a, for an occasion, and I knew that top man had it. And I had my heart set on buying it, and I went on to the website, and they were gone. They were away. So they were away and I couldn't believe it. I, I never really followed the tale at the time. But yeah, I, I must admit, I, I enjoyed the odd trip in there. always had something that you'd pick up on a random occasion. So uh, gone, but not forgotten. You're a student and um, now the days for me are long gone. So that's why I brought in the, the Top Man reference there. But if you don't go to Top Man anywhere, where do you go as a student? Because that was the place that I went to all the time when I was at you know college and uni and all that. But what about yourself now that that's away? What's taking over? You know, do you know a lot of people are starting to get into urban outfitters nowadays? You know that still? <laughs> it's not not quite high still. It's it's mad, isn't it? Not not quite for me. Uh, most of my money goes on buying secondhand Celtic shirts from Depop. That that gets me through the year. So um, it's it's quite it's quite sad to think about, but that's me. <laughs> they could have been far worse for you. I went through a period where I was in a super dry for about two years, for twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen. I'm out it now, and it was grim, but well. I mean, I don't think it's much better when you see what I'm kitted out in. It's now just a Celtic Adidas gear, Ryan, what I'm even wearing now, as you can see. 
<laughs> Look, listen, um, I, I, I have a, a weird thing that I like to pretend I'm like Liam Gallagher with the amount of pretty green stuff I buy. It can't be, it can't be much worse than that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, can be much worse than that. Celtic's trip to Prague on the 26th of November. This, Ryan, was the one that I harp on about it on every gig pod that we do as the lowest of the low. It was simply it was rock bottom I mean Godfrey Jones would have been turning up I'd seen Celtic right getting hammered 5-1 off Neutrosel Zamax um, in 1991 I remember the Art Media game and at least with the Art Media game you could give Strachan his due and say look the game came a wee bit too early for Gordon Strachan and at least in the second leg we beat them 4-0 and you just thought if that game went on for 10 more minutes we would have maybe matched that so we have had horrors you know even you look at under Tony Mowbray as well, I remember there was uh, that rapid game. Now I know we ended up salvaging it and we drew three each, but the first half was was utterly, utterly shocking and a dead rubber anyway. But this Celtic team, when I look at that team out in the pitch and I look at the experience and I just look at what they've all been through, what they've all won, there was no excuse to get beat like that. They didn't learn any of the lessons, they didn't do any of the homework, there was no, you know, there was just no due diligence done on that Sparta Prague team who, believe it or not, we're still in poor form in the league up until that game, Ryan. And we got off to a good start. Edward took his goal well, cracking counter-attack. And me, stupidly, I remember watching this at the time, saying, oh, here we go, we're sorted. This will be a couple now. Because do you remember in the lead-up to it, Ryan Christie, Callum McGregor, and even Neil Lennon were going on about how this was a game about revenge. This was about settling. That's right. They were about settling a, a score. And that's when I was going, mm, it's not really, though, is it? I mean, it's all right to think that privately, but... Sparta Prague players will be seeing that going, who do they think they are? We beat them 4-1 at their bit and they are giving it a revenge and we're going to settle scores. Sparta Prague should have been looking at us going, wait a minute, these characters are like 13, 14 points behind in their league. They're not able to beat Hibs away and they're, again, we've turned them over when we had a covid ravaged team. So we just did, we gave them all that motivation and the 4-1 reversal, when we talk about the goals, I'll end up getting raging to the point I'm after cut this podcast. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, I remember where I was. I remember how I felt during that. And this was the moment for me where I said he has to go. He cannot survive it. Where were you? Um, what were your feelings during this game? I was still here in the flat and I decided weirdly uh, to watch this game with David, even though I knew, I knew that he would have a right kick out of it. I just, I just knew he'd laugh and love every single moment of it. Um, so I watched it with him and this was falling. I believe Rangers played earlier that night, didn't they? And I think that was, was it Benfica they played that night? It was Rangers drew three each with Benfica and then we lost 4-1 at home. But in this one, in this one we played earlier. So we played first, we get trounced and then they were winning two at Ibrox, but they did draw two each. Aye, so I watched it with David and he, you know, was just laughing as, as it went on and, and every goal that went in. It was just hilarious. I think Bain had a howler this night, didn't he? Um, and it was just painful to watch. The night I remember the, the ball hitting the back of the net in the ninety fourth minute. I didn't feel anger. I didn't feel. I didn't feel anything apart from. And I said this in the first game. I just laughed. I genuinely was in hysterics, laughing at how bad we were. And I feel criminal saying it. And I, you can. I said it on my, my my review after the game as well. But I just didn't know what to say because it was just once again. Totally out. I, I was going to say totally out the blue, but it wasn't, was it? It was, but it's just four one once again to Prague. It should not be happening, and, and you're right. Lennon should have been gone after that. But what really baffled me was it was heading into this game. Of course, you you alluded to the comments, you know, we're looking for revenge. You know, let's go and give them a battering of, of their own, whatever. After the first Prague game, Lennon comes out and he says, "That's it. We're out of Europe," and he, he basically chucks it. 
Then going into this game, it looks as though he's drastically changed his opinion. He said, oh, if we have any hope, we have to win the game. And then he also starts a team which would look to be one of his strongest, which includes Julian starting his first game in 12. Julian was not ready to play that game. He was so out of his depth that night, you could tell he wasn't ready to come back. So from being out of it and chucking the whole thing, he suddenly decides to go right for it and at the same time gets embarrassed. What really, really angered me after this one, Ryan, was how Lennon said, and I quote, I think all it is is they're missing the atmosphere in the stadiums just now. We have to try and adapt to that. That You try and adapt to that before the ball was kicked against Hamilton away back at the start of the season. It's not You don't try and adapt to that when the damage is done. I mean, that's done. What Celtic should have done after their comments is that should have been the red flag for those in charge at Celtic going, nah, pff, there's no danger that if he's blaming, if he's possibly blaming the atmosphere in stadiums and we now have to adapt when we're near the end of November to salvage the season, that's done. We're, we're, we're totally, totally screwed if we are going to the rest of the season with him. Um, and, and everything was done at that point because Rangers weren't going to be crumbling. And frankly, Celtic, this was the result that confirmed we were out of Europe. After four games, we only had one point and that was the miraculous draw away to Lille. But it, it was, it was murder. Do you know that it was really embarrassing with, uh, with the third goal? That was a goal, if you remember, Olivier Cham really came in for Pelters because, again, the the half arse tracking back, or I believe it was Lucas Ulis who made it 3-1 at the time. And then at the very, very end, the worst part was the guy who made it 4-1. Bain comes right out his goal. Um, he dances around Bain and then he's throwing goal and Callum McGregor's, uh, you know, he's, he's trying his absolute best to stop that getting into it looked like an even more embarrassing scoreline. But the guy who's running through sees McGregor and he, he clocks him and he actually, for, he doesn't, he, he's got a chance to put the ball in an empty net and he doesn't, he just toys with us. Aye. The guy at Sparta Prague is toying with a player at Celtic and he just like, sidesteps McGregor and puts it away and that's when I went, we are just getting laughed at. We're getting laughed at half everyone and a lot of it was all down to the manager who was in charge who was just not taking responsibility for it and had, had no self-awareness to see that. Yeah, I, and... And it was just baffling to me after that game. As you said, we were getting laughed at by everyone, and that included me. I was just laughing, and you've just talked me through the, the, the fourth goal again because I forgot exactly how it went down. I forgot about the McGregor part. It just completely slipped my mind, and I'm just I'm like laughing here again, picturing it in my head. And it just made me wonder after the game, we're all sitting here seeing the plain and the obvious, and that is that we are in crisis, we need change, all these different things. Yet Peter Lowell sat there and the burning building that was Celtic Football Club and went, you know what, this is fine. This is completely fine. That that famous meme of the dog in the fire, that was literally Celtic. And we went through with it and it just made you, it just, it was the kind of, you know, we had the banners that month as well. I believe one of the first banners from the, the Green Brigade were outside and it just made you wonder how it managed to go on for so long. Yeah, and things did actually get worse, believe it or not, for the final game in November, which would be a few days after that. On the Sunday, we would play in the Scottish League Cup, and once more, Celtic were embarrassed. It was a 2-0 defeat at home to Ross County. I believe I had to watch that one on Celtic TV because they didn't have it on like Sky, they didn't have it on any of the outlets at all for the media. And it was a Ross Stewart penalty just before half time that made it 1 0. And I remember this was when I was texting Rizzo during this that as soon as that penalty went in, that's a, I said, I texted Rizzo and I just went, We're done here. We're not coming back from it. 
again, it was this was a match where Lennon, for some reason, he was tinkering with the formation and everything um, all throughout the season. He went back to a back three at this game. I think it was like a 3 4 1 2 he played. So he went, started with 3 5 2. That didn't work. We get battered against Rangers. He then changed it up to like the 4 2 3 1. And then this game against Ross County, he goes with a back three of Beaton, Julian, and Ayer. And he's got El Hamed and Laxalt as like the as like the wide players in midfield for a start. You've got Brown and Ryan Christie in the centre next to him. I mean, right away, that's just that that that's got no there's no balance to that midfield whatsoever. And then you've got Rogic who had an utter stinker playing ahead of him with Ayeti and Edward up front. I think the only chance of note we really created was um, Ayeti who hit the post a couple of minutes after they made it one 0 And to be fair. <laughs> In any other day, that probably goes in. A lot of people were slating him, saying it was a bad miss. I thought he did everything right. Just, it just wasn't their day. It wasn't his day in that respect. But I remember in this game, it's it's a bad sign, isn't it? When you're one 0 down against Ross County, and you're already saying, even with another half to play, you're like, I think we're done here, and it would prove to be correct. Yeah, and and I believe if I'm if I'm not mistaken. This might have been the first game after the positive Zoom call. I believe this was the the first game after that. I was uh, doing some research and I was like, Christ, they had a positive Zoom call before this. How did they feel when the game went? Because surely it couldn't still be positive. And yeah, it must have still been because he kept the job until February. Um, yeah, the team selection and the team and the formation throughout the season was was absolutely b- bizarre, as we know. And then in this game, Ross County took advantage of, of everything that they could have. What what annoyed me most about this game, of course, the result was bad. That was bad enough. But what really annoyed me about this game was, and still to this day, especially from the ON, and we hear that we are greedy, we're selfish, we are entitled, and all the rest of it. And that comes from some sections of their support because we just came off the back of winning 35 straight cup games to then lose this game and now we're complaining now I don't care about all of what they're saying to me because I must admit that that should not be happening you should not be losing at at home 2-0 to Ross County who at the time were not in a great position and later actually not too long later would go in to sack the manager who beat us so yeah that's right so we get told this and Neil Lennon still saying it to this day that we we ignore that run and and we we don't give the team enough credit we we should be clapping them off the park and all this that the next thing but that was absolutely embarrassing to lose 2-0 at home to Ross County yeah I enjoyed the run I enjoyed winning all those trophies I'm not going to say I didn't but for it to end in the fashion it did was was once again embarrassing and Alex Yacovetti made it 2-0 in the 84th minute another set piece disaster from us corner comes in and then near post flicked on Back post, there's a guy in to put it in. Again, I remember just seeing that and laughing, going, we can see this go every single time with a set piece. It's Celtic and set pieces were just a, a horrible combination this season. And after the game, there was, of course, the entitled Neds and how the fans were had no right to be angry, basically, because Celtic's PR after that, they spun it so, so well, and they basically made out as if it was a battle of Mogadishu. When it was, no, I mean, when it was just light protest, people were pissed yeah. off. People had spent a lot of money, and okay, it's all right to say that's their choice to spend money. And you know that when you're doing that, it's a business where it's not always going to be. You're not always going to win all the time, and you're not constantly going to win a cup, and you're not going to constantly win a league. But what you expect to see with the money that you pay is a bit of competence and leadership from those in charge. They weren't taken seriously at all for the fact that you had all these fans turning up. Demanding change, they weren't. They weren't demanding. We have to, that's it. There's going to be rights every week if we don't win um, against Johnson, or we don't win against Rangers in January. We're going to constantly write and and cause a scene. It's nothing to do with that. The point was, 
we just needed a change in leadership. It was apparent to everyone who was there. It was apparent to all us watching on TV that we were just going down the way. We were going backwards. And it was at a really alarming pace as well, Ryan. And that was the point that was being missed. The people in charge couldn't see. It wasn't about getting beat against Ross County. It wasn't about the first defeat in 36 games in the Cups. It was about the fact that Neil Lennon and the management team were being kept on, despite the fact that they were just taking us backwards when we've done so, so well the past four years to build up that proud run. Yeah, and they'll be kicking themselves now because everybody at the time was saying this isn't just a problem from now, it isn't just a problem come the end of the season, this is going to be a problem that Celtic will inherit and have to deal with for years to come and we are well and truly seeing the consequences of that now. We're in a position where some of our best players are going to be leaving the club, we can't bring in new players of the calibre we would maybe expect and and ultimately we've left ourselves in a position where you could say we're, we're well and truly chasing Rangers. So this was something that could have been prevented back then and the fans tried and they tried and they tried to push for that change because it was so evident it was needed um, and for us to kind of be told no and be looked at as as you've already said, entitled Neds, was not only a bad decision from the football club but a slap, in a fa- a slap, a slap to the face for us supporters because it's, it, I don't know what's going to happen with season tickets, for example. I don't want to talk too much on next season before your big previews, but um, I think we're going to see the effects that have been building throughout the entire season just build up in, in the next month or so. To summarise in November then, it was our first defeat in 36 games in cup competitions. It was five losses in 10 games. There was only two wins in 10 matches. We conceded 13 goals in five games. We were 11 behind in the league and completely out of Europe. Now, that to me was evident that Celtic FC under New Lennon had went backwards. But amazingly enough, nothing was done about it. They spun it. The situation got out of control again. And it's now why we are in the position where there's a real disharmony now between the fans and the club itself because the club just did not take fans seriously they didn't show respect for the fans and that's why we're in this situation where there's just a real fractured relationship all because of as you can say that run in november the actions after it against ross county but i mean the main part of it was the club just failing to engage with fans have a have a level of understanding as to why the fans are unhappy it's it, it to this day they just have still patched it and they've just been in a real bunker mentality about it. Yeah, it, it feels like there's just constant, like, and we've seen it throughout the entire season, this is nothing new, but, you know, they throw up a tweet or they throw out a letter or a statement or an email just to kind of, in a, in a way, go, let's pretend none of that happened. Oh, by the way, here's something new. You know, it feels like that has there's, there's not been a proper acknowledgement and a proper, you know, sit-down conversation that there should be with supporters in regards to what we've went through and what we're about to go through that, that, that more than gives you favour, just makes you... I don't know. Forget. I don't want to use the word forgiveness because that's a long path to go, and I feel like a lot of people are going to hold a grudge for a long time. But to reinstall any amount of faith in that board's going to take a lot of work, um, and they've not really done anything to to kind of um, show that that'll happen. And thankfully, that is us done and dusted for another Premiership Real segment from Gigpod, a series which I now question the decision to record and release after each and every episode that we do on this, which seems to be more depressing than the last. So. Once more, my thanks go to Ryan for joining us on this one. Ryan, where can the audience see what you uh, do? Oh God, if they still want to listen after this, then you can head over to YouTube. Ryan118 is the name, or you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan. 
Stephen F and uh, keep up with all the content there too we will be back soon for December 2020 a month which saw the tier system introduced which was very fitting as there was plenty of them following Celtic this season Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.